Hey, what's good, everyone? Welcome back to the Outside the Box podcast. My name is Nick Ingvall, and on this podcast, I do my best to give you some insight, exposure, and introductions into new ways of thinking about sneakers and some some new, uh, you know, just get out of that stereotypical, like, go buy sneakers conversation and talk to some people that I think do some interesting things. So um, I have got a guest on with me today that I'm super excited to introduce to you. Uh, who wrote a book called Signature Shoes, The Athletes Who Wore Them, and Delightful Pop Culture Nuggets, which I just finished reading up over the last weekend or so. And uh, Ryan Trembath is on with me. How you doing, Ryan? Hey, good, Nick. Thanks for, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Of course, man. Of course. So, uh, you know, I uh, it took me a little while to, to, to get to the book because I was doing this big sneaker conversation, uh, you know, thing yeah, so that. a few weeks back. And um, I'm I'm actually glad I, I delayed it because... I actually read it in one sitting, basically on a on a Saturday night, and you know, a couple hours, few hours later, and, and got through the whole thing. And I think it was really cool the way you tied together some of the the like really deep stories that exist below, below the surface within sneakers and sports, and also just the kind of the timeline things. But we'll, we'll get into that. But I guess the first thing is you know introduce yourself and let everybody know kind of who you are and how you got into I guess sneakers and sports and and you know eventually to to writing this book. Uh, yeah, thanks. Uh, so I'm Ryan Trembath, uh, work in television in Chicago. Um, and, you know, I, I really got into this book because of the pandemic. Like it started when everything shut down and I just didn't have anything to do. And um, actually at the time I've been reading like a few books about sneakers and I've always been into weird like pop culture stuff, signature items, signature shoes, of course. And uh then, so I actually, to get even weirder, I bought a couple typewriters. I just started typing some stuff out and um, it, it just became like, you know, kind of took on its own life really and just became this this book that, you know, I was just having a blast writing. And so I'd work on it for like four hours a night probably. And, uh, you know, really didn't think it would get published necessarily. Uh, I was kind of just doing it for fun. And what kept me going was like, um, I knew I could eventually just upload it on Amazon as an ebook if, if no one wanted to publish it. And uh, luckily I, it, you know, found a home for it. And um, yeah, I, I mean, one of the things I wanted to do was sprinkle in like pop culture stuff and just kind of, like you said, try to make it a fun read. It's, you know, it's not meant to be, um, super like sophisticated or anything so just wanted to keep it fun yeah it's 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 really cool i mean i, I should show this to people since it's over here but um I, I i thought it was really cool when you reached out too because like just reading kind of the the amazon you know write-up of it being somebody who's into sneakers and and especially more on the i don't know i wouldn't necessarily consider myself like an, an archivist of any you know official capacity but that's really what i'm about is like you know, capturing these moments that are going to go away that people, you know, we, we've just moved on from a lot of this stuff. And I think sports has done that in a lot of ways too, but obviously sports much more massive. You've, you've got, you know, to me, beautiful sites like baseball reference, basketball reference, where you can literally find any, you know, snippet of information that you want to find from a very specific era or day or, you know, minute if you want. Um, yeah. But I thought it was cool because, too, you took an interesting approach with it that, you know, like, obviously, and you address this in, in, you know, first things first in the book, but 
being somebody from Chicago, I'm going to assume that your interest in, in sneakers probably had some connection to Michael Jordan in that era, but you, you chose not to dive right into that era of the signature shoes and, and went back even further, which I thought was awesome. And I also appreciate that you didn't fall completely into the kind of like, I don't know what how to describe it, but like, you know, a lot of the books that come out with sneakers are very much like, here's the photo, here's like three sentences on the shoe. And yeah, this was just so much more enjoyable and a break from that norm. Not that I don't appreciate that. I love a good like coffee table book that I can just flip through and, and things, but um, That's so like how, read pretty much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So how, how did you get into, you know, I guess like what were your first kind of memories with sneakers and, and how did you kind of find interest in that? Um, well, really, you know, when I was like a really young kid, I would, I was obsessed with the sneakers and pretty much like would it cost people on the street. If I saw like a nice pair of sneakers there, like, like literally run up to them and just start like yelling, like shoes, shoes, shoes. Like, I, you know, I could barely talk. Um, but, and then, you know, another big memory was the Jordan sixes were the first pair of Jordans I had. And I had, you know, I had some pumps and stuff like that. And I was always just really into sneakers, but I was always just like really rough on my sneakers. And like, I have like a, a memory, like, you know, the pumps would get worn out and then the like orange ball over the, the bladder would fall off. And then you just have the black button after that. Yeah. Um, but I, no, I was like, of course, really into the Bulls, but I felt like there's just been so much written about Air Jordans that I kind of wanted to, I, like, obviously I had to include, you know, Air Jordans in the book. Um, yeah. But I wanted to, like, limit it a little bit. And in fact, I was watching The Last Dance uh, last April. And I think it was, I forget who it was. I think it was Jordan's manager says, like, oh, you know, what, you want to market him like a, um, a tennis pro or something? With the, uh, with the shoe deal, and I was kind of, I've been working on this, and I was like, well, that's not necessarily true, because, like, you know, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar had had a shoe, Clyde Frazier had already had a, a pretty major shoe at the time, so yeah. there's, like, this whole other history that, you know, a lot of people, unless you're really into sneakers, might not be aware of. Yeah. And it, Go ahead. Well, I, as far as the coffee table book is kind of concerned, like, that was, like, sort of, my goal and I, not my goal, but I was like, there's so many examples. I was like, I can do something like that in this, but then it just totally took on a life of itself. And there was just so much to kind of cover. Yeah. Well, and, and I think like you did, you still like hit on that to, you know, to include the, the little photo section that you did that was kind of like, you know, okay, here's the visuals for, for the people that, that don't know, right. That they can then go back, you know, so many of the shoes, people probably are actually familiar with, but, you know, they might not know that like, you know, the Puma suede is a Clyde Frazier shoe, right? They, they probably recognize the shoe and they probably know Clyde Frazier, but they might not know that that connection exists unless they're actually really into sneakers. So I think it was really nice to see that you kind of, kind of captured, like, I think this is a book that would be great for someone who's really into sneakers to, to learn a lot of like cool things from. But also people that aren't into sneakers, there's just a lot of a lot of stories, a lot of information, a lot of nuanced stuff around how these players even got to these points of, you know, getting a shoe deal, right? Because a yeah. lot of these players, you know, you're talking about an era that, you know, anything pre-Jordan, it was it was a little bit 
riskier. It wasn't as guaranteed. It wasn't as mainstream. So you just didn't see as many. But then again, like, you know, you, you obviously have like dozens of examples in here. And I like, as I was reading it, I was thinking, oh, there's so many good, you know, kept getting into different sports, different players where I thought, oh, this is great. Cause like each time I would be reading something, I think, oh, you know, like even like the Stan Smith, the, you know, kind of like the, the progression into, uh, or, you know, with the Robert Halle into the Stan Smith, all that stuff where like, you know, as a sneaker nerd guy, I'm like nerding out about it, but just thinking like, those are things that I think people just reading those stories is, are things that they're not going to see if they just Google, you know, the Stan Smith shoe, it's going to take you a while to find that and yeah. actually learn that information. So. Right. I, I mean, I don't think Kelly gets like any credit at all nowadays. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, you, you have to, you'd probably have to dig pretty deep to, to find that. Um, but yeah, it's weird. Like you said, you know, people know the suede's the, you know, the basket. Um, and that, I mean, that my dad still wears that stuff. So he, you know, he grew up yeah. in that era and like, so I was just kind of used to seeing this stuff and he still, he still wears Stan Smith's like nonstop. Dead of the That's superstar. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So how, how did, you know, did, were you already starting on it? You know, I guess like, the last dance i'm trying to think i guess that's that's basically about a year ago now huh so yeah i think um, that was in april um yeah because what happened right when everything shut down it was like mid-march and um you know i didn't know what i was going to do with myself so i always kind of wanted to write a book not necessarily about sneakers but anyway i, I bought a typewriter and i was just kind of messing around and I wrote some stuff and I was just having fun with it. And I started writing about signature shoes and I was like, you know what? This is not just some like, this is not something I can even write on a typewriter. I had to switch to a computer and it just kept growing and growing. And then, um, yeah, I mean, I basically wrote it in three months, which doesn't sound like a long time, but I was working on it. like four hours a night just having a blast i mean i it was something i looked forward to doing like get the kids to bed all right go downstairs work on it from like eight to midnight or something yeah and it was just a lot of fun yeah i so i, I have a friend that's i have a couple friends that are big into typewriters so i have to mention like if you haven't watched the california typewriter documentary uh, it's a really incredible like view into the world of typewriters both like Nice. what they were yeah what they were is like a you know uh, obviously a tool for for writers and you know everyone back in the day but then what they've kind of become in this like new collectible world where you have uh i, I can't remember who did it but like you know i think tom hanks is in it or or someone like that who's like a massive collector of these like kind of like early era uh I know he's really, typewriters and stuff so i know he's like really into it and i remember because he was like one of the first celebrities to get uh, COVID-19 and he had like yeah. some typewriter in Australia and he wrote something on it, but I knew he was into it. And I think like Eddie Vedder is actually like pretty into uh, typewriters too. Yeah. So, well, that, but that, that's, go ahead. It's, it's insane how, how expensive they are. If you want to get one that works, like a really nice one, they're super expensive. And I, I mean, I bought yeah. like, uh, 
I think I paid like $50 for it, but it worked just fine. Like yeah. it's not like some antique collectible typewriter or something, you know? So. Yeah. It's just kind of cool because I think there's something, there's just something special about that whole disconnecting, you know, from the computer to do the work too. Right. Like there's, yeah. like I, I still like to write a lot and you know, most of that stuff never goes anywhere other than a notebook for myself or a journal for myself at this point. But like, it's just a good kind of like, shut down the computer and and get away from it. And I think that's kind of an interesting kind of way to approach even like, you know, just it's like, like this book or, or any of those things, you know, like hopefully we're kind of moving out of COVID at this point, but like that whole idea of like, what do you do with yourself when you, when you ha- can't do what you normally do. Right. Um, and then like, you know, as much as I love the computer and the internet, it's given me tons of opportunity. I also want to just disconnect from it and, you know, never be seen again on the internet too. So, (laughs) but, um, so I guess like when you started, how how did you, let's maybe walk us through the process of that. Cause I'm sure there are plenty of people out there that have thought, Oh, I want to write a book someday. How did you even go about like thinking about like the, I guess like the approach to planning it, like, did you just start on one shoe and then, you know, or did you start, you know, with Chuck Taylor and, you know, the early days of pro Keds and stuff and just like go um, year by year or. So we pretty much, I mean, so I, like I said, I was, I've been reading some books on sneakers and um, I kind of noticed that like there wasn't, you know, they would mention a few signature sneakers and, but a lot of times the dates would be off between different books. So, uh, I just wanted to take a deeper look and, you know, like the Chuck Taylor, there's all these different stories about, you know, Oh, he added the, the branded ankle patch or whatever. Yeah. So I kind of just wanted to figure it out. And so I started with Chuck Taylor and Mike and, and pro Keds, And then, that's probably about the time I realized I'm going to have a hard time writing this entire thing on a typewriter. Um, <laughs> yeah. And cause I covered them and it was already like really getting long. So um, then I, I kind of just started uh, trying to work chronologically. It wasn't always like the case, but that was my goal. Anyway, I kind of laid out the table of contents kind of like in sort of an outline of how I wanted to work, you know, but uh, so yeah, I guess it was kind of, in order. I mean, I jumped around a little bit. I just made a list of every signature, every signature shoe that I could think of. Like, and it, the list was like way bigger because I stopped at the '90s in this book, and you know, I went yeah my original list to like basically up to present day. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it, you you did a good job of like of like putting on the brakes, though. I think like that's it's it gets so like chaotic at that at that point right because yeah you have you know i think like the beauty of like the older stuff to me and and one of the things that i was fascinated about reading the book is that you know like i guess like go back to that you know adidas example right it's like they made the shoe and it was robert hallet shoe but then you know he's going to retire they needed somebody young and hip and you know a star to wear it again so it's like if we're going to continue to make the shoe. So it becomes a Stan Smith shoe. And, you know, primarily that shoe was successful enough for it to continue on till this day or whatever. But 
that's like one of the few examples of 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 one shoe kind of being attached to two people pre Jordan, right? And then you get to Jordan, and you know, there's so many, there's so many nuances. There's so many like, well, is that a signature shoe? It was made just for that person, but it doesn't have their name or whatever. Like, and then the layers because everybody wore multiple versions of their signature shoes in the '90s yeah. and 2000s. That it's just like. I mean, you're, you probably would have had five times the size of the book if you would have continued on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, kind of, um, well, the Stan Smith is one of the few examples I can think of where, like, two people kind of shared it. Um, but, yeah, I mean, early early on, you know, you had one one shoe and that was it. There was, like, a couple examples maybe with, like, Laver and Stasse or, you know, a couple where they, they might get two shoes. Um, but then in the 90s, like after after Jordan, it just became so uh, convoluted, and there was just so many shoes. I mean, even like now, like I have a hard time telling like what's a collaboration, what's a signature shoe. Like, you know, like yeah. De La Soul gets like a Nike Dunk or something. That's not a signature shoe. That's I mean, it's the same shoe. It's, it wasn't designed for them. So it's yeah. just there's so many things like that where you could possibly, you know, mention it, but. Uh, yeah, I kind of wanted to just keep it like the basically just the entire history, if I could, of how what led up to the Jordan and where we got to today. How, what what were some of like you know some of your favorite stories from that you discovered you know throughout you know this process? Um, so I mean, I'm not like that into soccer, and when I was researching, you know, Pele getting his shoe. I mean, that was pretty cool because it was the first time the World Cup was broadcast around the world uh, live. And so he came up with this deal with Puma where, you know, he'd bend down, tie his shoe, they'd zoom in on the shoe. Um, and so I thought that was that was cool. Um, there's other just like weird tidbits like I threw in there, like at the 1977 US Open, someone getting shot in the leg during yeah. McEnroe's match, which I brought up because you know Chris Everett's shoe came out in 1977 and um you know that was a cool story um people love the name of stuff like I think I mentioned to my dad one time I was like oh do you know there's a shoe named a swinger and he's like really a a swinger and like so a lot of people don't know about that shoe um yeah so it's just kind of interesting that the fact that Puma came out with a shoe called the swinger um what else? Uh... The the name of stuff has always been really interesting to me because I think as someone who you know I'm I'm 41 almost 42 here and I'm just far enough removed from like him as a player to like not have any real understanding of who he was off the field. Right? I yeah. I know the like you know the the you know the what is it the the uh, Medicare supplement, the, uh, yeah, first. the Medicare or like the shaving things that they did in the eighties, you know. Yeah. But like, but like I, so I, one of the things that I do that was I think made this even more fascinating. I collect like old magazines, uh, oh, nice. you know, specifically for like mostly just you know sports, pop culture type things. But like I s- try to find like sneaker relevant stuff in these magazines, so I can kind of document the shoes that way pre internet you know because like 
it's hard enough to to search through the internet and find things in sneakers now because you've got you know seemingly hundreds of thousands of sites and instagram accounts that are throwing new stuff out every day but to me like having like the the magazines and seeing kind of and you know gives me a little bit more like i don't know it just feels a little more special to me in that sense because i'm not gonna i have a lot of shoes and i'm thankful for that but i don't i don't want to like become a museum in my house full of shoes like you know hunting old shoes either um i mean i definitely have a bunch of older shoes but like it's just it's easier for me to flip through the magazines and see those ads and kind of have that nostalgia and, and even just the, you know, kind of learning experience with some of those, like, especially in the sixties and seventies where it's like, you just didn't see, you know, like there's no way for, for people to even know what was going on with like footwear in that sense. Right. Like even, even into the eighties, right. Like the, the Jordan stuff was kind of the, you know, I don't know, the mainstreamification of, of, you know, the marketing aspect of it, right? Like, yeah, you know, there was obviously Converse and Dr. J, and and I remember those as a as a kid. I remember the the Converse Weapon commercial like vividly because we watched basketball on Saturdays on CBS or whatever it was, and it was like that that was something that like kind of stuck with me and probably was like one of my first personal introductions into sneakers, I guess, you know, on a on a bigger level. But the magazines are always interesting because like there's I have a, a few that have you know, some of those old Joe Namath ads where he's like surrounded by two, you know, women and wearing his fur coats and stuff. And you're like, is this guy, this guy's selling shoes? Like, and it's, what I always find interesting is that it it was always, it was never just a Puma ad. It was always with Joe Namath specifically. It was always a, like a store specific ad with Joe Namath where a lot of players seem to have, you know, just kind of the, the, you know, what you would stand, the standard, Here's your Nike shoe. Here's your Nike poster shrunk down into a, you know, magazine ad. Um, but one of the things that I think was really fascinating, and maybe you could talk to a little bit more about this. There was so much, you got, you got, I guess, so deep into the back and forth between the Dazzler brothers, right? With Puma and Adidas, because there were all these, I don't know if it, if if this is you know making them sound bad, but it's almost like sinister characters in the way that these companies went after athletes like the Pele story, right? How yeah. did you kind of? I mean, what was that like for you? And how how did you kind of get? I'm sure that was like you know instantly the names start connecting as you're as you're researching, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, well, it is weird, like you know the the sinister beginnings and their ties to the nazi party which you yeah. know a lot of people you don't like hear that mentioned just in everyday life even though you see puma and adidas everywhere um yep. and then I, I felt like i had to dive pretty deep into the their story just because they were the two companies that really started the the whole uh trend of signature sneakers so i had to give that backstory um and i mean there's there's a whole book on on the the, whole, the two families basically in sneaker wars but I, I i i felt like i had to give a pretty big background on them just given you know what became later so um yeah but it is weird it's like um you know i was just thinking about like coca-cola the other day i mean they have the guy that founded coca-cola well one it had cocaine in it and two they have ties to the confederate party yeah. uh but you know you don't like hear that so it's just it was kind of like one of those things for me um 
but yeah, so that's that's basically how that happened. Yeah, it's it's pretty wild. I I, I think too, like people probably would be really, you know, kind of surprised to hear not only those beginnings. You know, I mean, I don't. I obviously don't have enough knowledge on that subject of like Germany and Nazi era Germany, but like I would assume there's a lot of companies that the companies that survived probably had ties because it was a, a countrywide thing at some level at that era, but yeah. totally assuming there, but then like, as I know to escape it really, I mean, yeah, it's uh, yeah, that's, that's exactly it. That's the way I would put it. Um, but then like, as you kind of read the stories, there's people that, you know, work for the brands or family that continue to resurface throughout these stories, you know, decades later where it's like, well, this, this person is still, you know, investing in, uh, you know, behind the scenes, putting their money in, I, I forget, you know, was it British Knights or, or one of those companies, right? Where you had like, yeah. uh, like, I, I just, I think like people, like, I know some of that stuff existed, but every time it would come back up, I'd be like, dang, this is another one of those examples where there's just so much, you know, and I guess like, you know, living in America now, it's like, yes, like the big corporate arms reach everywhere, right? But like, you just yeah. don't really see it in terms of the footwear industry because they've done a good job of kind of separating those things and keeping everybody at a distance. But it was just really fascinating to me. Um, and one of the other things that I thought you did a really good job of too, is just like, I guess like just the random kind of nuggets, right? Because I think there's just, there's so many things that influence like sneakers for me in like the 15 plus years that I've worked in the footwear industry and had, you know, been creating content for myself, for other people for, for this long, there's always things that I can look at and think, and think, oh, this was like an influential moment that people don't see through sneakers, but because it's such a big pop culture moment, it, it absolutely does influence other things that we buy as consumers, which I think, you know, maybe talks about how you went approaching those types of things too. Um, yeah, I don't know. It, well, there's a couple, there's different levels of pop culture nuggets in the book. Like one, I, every year there was a signature shoe release. I tried to have like a kind of a major event. Uh, like just for example, like the Jack Purcell in 1935, uh, I threw in like a paragraph about that was the year Babe Ruth retired. But then while I was writing too, I don't know. I just kind of um, have like a thought like, oh, wait a second. There's uh, this weird thing that Al Bundy did that's maybe connected to this or not connected. I don't know, but it's kind of like sparked that in my mind. So, all right, I'll toss in a footnote. Um, and then just like another, just things like, you know, I was talking about the Pistons and I I remember playing, you know, Bill Ambeer's combat basketball. Yep. Oh, he didn't have a signature shoe, but he had this this game that I remember being horrible. One and I so I remember I googled it, and I just googled like Bill Ambeer's basketball, it, like I don't know ten results are like worst game ever, worst game ever, and I was like, yeah, that's how I remember it. Yeah, me too. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> and then like um, Isaiah Thomas's mom actually lived down like kind of in my neighborhood growing up, and so we'd go there for Halloween, and she'd give out like Isaiah Thomas candy bars and. So I just kind of, you know, he never had a signature shoe. So I, I threw that in there. And uh, I remember like when I was writing it, I, I looked it up 
on eBay, and you could still buy his candy bar on eBay. So I don't, I don't probably wouldn't recommend eating it, but uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's out there still. So, <laughs> like, um, so yeah, like, just yeah. like weird stuff like that that just jogged my memory, you know, whatever it was, and um, you know, I I pretty much obsessed with pop culture, just watch tons of TV and stuff. So yeah, plenty of weird, useless knowledge. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, I, I was going to ask earlier, but you. I, you probably didn't ever plan to write a book and, and have, you know, you, you've, you've been, it's not useless knowledge now, right? You actually, right. You know, <laughs> it finally came it around. <laughs> yeah. uh, so I guess like, how, how did you go about even like, you know, like you, you mentioned, you know, considering doing the ebook, how did you, how did that whole process of getting it published? And, you know, what was that like for you? Cause I, I meant to ask, like, I'm assuming this is your first, first book. Yeah, yeah, this is my first book. So that that was kind of like the weird thing. I only approached maybe like five publishers and um, they were all kind of like, well, what have you written before? And I'm like, uh, nothing really. Uh, some screenplays that didn't get made, but that's that's about it. Um, and then um, I approached Eckhart's Press in Chicago. They're kind of a small Chicago publisher. I wrote them a letter and like right away, um, the owner, uh, Rick Kempfer was, really into it and he's like yeah this is awesome there there needs to be more stuff like this out there so um yeah he was into it and you know i had already talked with several like bigger publishers that just since i didn't have any like other books to show them basically uh they weren't going to publish it and um so that kind of it kind of like I don't know. It kind of like happened a little bit easier than I thought it would just because he was really into it. And then it's weird because I I had been at the library and I saw uh, Rick Kempfer's book, which he wrote a book called Every Cub Ever, which is a like it's at least a paragraph on every single person that's worn a Cubs uniform from like 1870 to present. Wow. And uh, he has weird little like kind of pop culture footnotes in his book. So it just kind of like worked out that it was a good fit. Yeah. Sounds like that's, that's awesome though. I mean, I think that's like one of those things where you just kind of, you know, the, the, the kind of stars align and the synchronicity happens and it's like, wait, yeah. this actually totally makes sense that this person is really into this. And now, you know, I mean, I guess like, so the, the book you've, was it like, end of the year you you got it published and out there right like i think we're uh, a few, few yeah. months into it uh, i came on like the end of november okay um and i guess like what other than you know you know realizing that you have all this pop culture knowledge that now is you know now has a good place to live um yeah. what what are some of the things that like you ran into challenge wise with the book that you know you could learn from for the next one if you choose to go down that path again um, you know, I, well, on my next book, or if I had to do it again, I think I probably would have slowed down a little bit. Um, even though, I mean, I was, it was just such, yeah, like, I was just having such a blast writing it and researching this stuff. Um, but I probably would have, like, taken a little more time to just kind of reflect on things a little bit before, like, because I, as soon as I was done, I started kind of just looking for a publisher. Yeah. Um. Like I, I might have kind of just like we put it aside maybe for a little bit, came back, revisited um, a little more. So 
I mean, I don't know if that that's not really a challenge, but it's something I would have probably done different. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. The biggest challenge basically was trying to get research materials because I think the library was closed. So I was buying tons of books on Amazon or getting ebooks. And then the library opened, I remember, and I had like, I think I had like 40 books. And so some poor guy had to like carry them all to my car because, I mean, you couldn't go in there. Um, oh, man, so I guess yeah. that was a challenge, but um, it, was, it wasn't that bad. So. Um, but yeah, I mean that's uh, that's that was probably the biggest challenge, I guess. Um, so, so do you th- you think you'll 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 take on another one then, or? Yeah, I've, I've actually started writing kind of a weird uh, book about baseball. The working title right now is called um, "Baseball Cards: Food for Thought and Other Random Tidbits." Um, nice. It's basically, nice. it's about like food issued baseball cards and and stuff like that so it's i'm trying to chronicle like 1950 to 2000 basically that that uh that uh, that'll be right up my alley too man i mean we were talking before and i'm obviously a big baseball fan but uh the two things that came to mind instantly when you said food for thought mother's cookies out here was like a huge one all the giants you know i've still got like autographed mother's cookies cards from you know the early 80s um and then uh when Granny Dick, Goose A's, the Granny Goose uh, chips, they did the A's, I think. Yeah. I think yep. they might even still do put out uh, A's cards. Yeah. And then uh, uh, I, I don't I don't know the years, but, you know, Denny's did those like hologram cards for, you know, five or six years where you'd buy a, a Grand Slam and get, you know, uh, you know, one pack or one, you know, it wasn't even a pack, right? It's just a single card or something. And yeah. I remember like just begging my grandparents to go to Denny's, which, you know, in hindsight, like I would, ne- I would never want to beg anyone to go to Denny's. But like when I was a kid, those cards were everything. <laughs> I want, it was either like 93 or 97, I want to say. Or I'm sure they put them out for multiple years. But yeah, um, yeah, yeah, those those are definitely in there. So I guess like with with the with the signature sneakers. How did you how did you know where to stop? Did you just, you know, because we, we've, we talked a little bit about Jordan and, and after, but then like, as you're writing that, were you just like, okay, you know, you, you mentioned ha- having, you know, a much bigger list when you started. And then when you get to that, did you decide on like, Oh, it doesn't, we don't want it to go too long. Or was it just more like there's so many signature shoes out here that if I go beyond Jordan, it might just be too much. It almost becomes an encyclopedia um, at that point, right? So Yeah, I mean, it wasn't really like, it never crossed my mind. Like, I don't want it to be too long. It was more like, there's literally um, maybe like 20 shoes coming out in a year. And it's just, it's hard to keep track of them all. Um, and then, you know, once other sports started getting involved, and then especially once like uh, auto racing got involved, I mean, that's just getting kind of yeah. weird. Um, which I mean, is there, it's cool now kind of to look back on that, you know, Dale Earnhardt senior could have a signature shoe, um, yeah. but it's just like, is the way I describe it in the book is just kind of the gluttony. There was just so much, like everyone just saw, you know, how much money Nike was making with Jordan and everyone's looking for that next charismatic athlete and basically, you know, taking a chance on anybody pretty much like when Wayne Gretzky gets a shoe. 
it's it's definitely getting like weird um but yeah i don't know i i just kind of I, I just figure once it got to the 90s then that was kind of a good place to hang it up for now anyway at least uh maybe i'll come back to it but it just there was just it was too chaotic there's just so much going on that i felt like yeah. it was kind of, kind of a good place to end it definitely and i and i think like you know to kind of go a little bit further for for listeners you know this covers all sports basically so it's not just basketball shoes in the 90s that blew up wayne gretzky played his sport on ice skates and had a signature sneaker like it doesn't make sense right like dale earnhardt as much as he was an incredible driver and huge you know monumental athlete for the sport of nascar you never saw his shoes until the last five minutes of the three hour race. So it's like you, you could really see how people were grasping to get a piece of that, you know, energy that was out there and money that was out there with, with all of these shoes that, um, it, and it's, it, it's, I don't know. It's, it's fascinating too, because like, I feel like we, we, you know, sneakers kind of just went like skyrocketed in, you know, the late eighties, early nineties. And then, I don't know, for better or worse, it, I don't know if it if it ever corrected itself, you know, in terms of, like, just how much is out there, right? Like, the consumerism part of it at this point is almost, I mean, not almost, it absolutely is overwhelming, especially as someone who works in the industry and, like, you know, I buy my fair share of sneakers, but I I can't possibly buy, you know, if you've, if you, if anybody's listening that has the sneakers app or the Adidas app or whatever, you know, you're, you're seeing like three to four shoes every other day or every three days. And, and yeah, and like not all of those will be signature shoes, but like now you have, you know, signature, I don't know. It's not, I guess you would consider them collaborations, but like, you know, I think of like Virgil Abloh and, and Kanye West and all these people that have their own shoe lines. It's absolutely a signature shoe, but it has nothing to do with sport and the signature shoe that it, the way it was before right because it's always the even the way that it's written and presented to consumers it's like virgil abloh x off-white nike you know x whatever as opposed to just being like the nike abloh one or whatever so right yeah you've got like you know like uh bacon air maxes or like i think there was a reese's shoe i saw yep. just the other day um but yeah i mean it just seemed like Run DMC and Adidas came together so organically to, you know, work together and obviously Run DMC got their own signature sneaker later, but then like Paul I. Abdul got an LA gear shoe. Um, I think it was the Sun Blossom. And then yeah. um yeah, I mean it was just it was just way too much. And it, it, I don't know. I just I think and actually I, I put this quote in my book, but another guy wrote it, Jason Coles, and he said, you know, the sneaker wars in the 80s and 90s were kind of based on innovation. And then, you know, I don't know, like, late now, it's all uh, just based on kind of retroing older stuff. So I mean, I thought that was like a really good way to put things. Yeah, I stole it from my book. So Um, I gave him credit, though. But I yeah, I just thought that was kind of the perfect way to put it. Yeah, most definitely. That's been kind of an ongoing conversation with uh, a handful of uh, of the folks that I you know am close with in the in the especially on the media side of like sneakers, where 
you know, like Russ Bankston's guy that wrote for Slam for years and Complex and all these places. And, you know, when I talked to him on the podcast a, a few months back, um, he referenced the guys that he looked up to, like the Bobito Garcias and that. And one of the things that was interesting was that Bobito always said that sneakers ended when, like, you know, in, in like, 85 when the Jordan came out, right? Like, he lost interest at that point because it was no longer about, like, playing basketball and making them their their own, making the shoes your own and all that stuff. And Russ and I, like, Russ and I are about, I don't know, maybe, like, seven, eight years apart. But, like, his peak era is literally, like, five years pre, you know, my peak era of, like, you know. Yeah. And it's it's kind of interesting. And I, and I wonder how, like, that's going to progress, too, because... I think like, you know, the the thing about all the stories that are in the book is that they were very much like underlying stories behind the sport, right? And mm-hmm. and I don't necessarily think that that's a bad thing as a sports fan. I guess I should back that up. As a as a marketing person as someone who works in the industry, I don't think that that's a bad thing. As a sports fan, I do think that that's a bad thing because like, you know, I miss the 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 real deep connections with sport that happened. And, you know, um, just thinking of like Jordan, for instance, and like you mentioned having the sixes as your first shoe or first pair of Jordans, like, you know, you got to see him, you know, play, I don't know, at least 20 or 30 games in that specific colorway or whatever. And that's what made it so special right now. I don't know if there's a way for people to keep up with it other than like by placing a monetary value on it on the secondary market. And, Oh, that's why this shoe is important which doesn't seem like a sustainable thing for the business side of, of footwear in any way, shape or form. Um, especially as you said, like everything has kind of come back to this, you know, retro stuff. Right. And, but I also do think that like a lot of the retro product outside of the Nike and maybe the Adidas stuff, there's a lot of opportunity for the other brands to kind of get creative with like, you know, there's, you know, I mean, even going back to like George Mikan and the pro kids, right? Like, or actually, you you mentioned uh, you know the Sandlot, right? Like that's a great shoe. Yeah. Where like, hey, they actually did you know kind of bring back that story and tell that story again, you know. And it wasn't about the original release of the shoe. It was about hey, this became an iconic shoe because of this movie and the pop culture element. And I think that's going to be an interesting kind of thing for me to watch, at least as a fan of both pop culture and sneakers, to like see how these things kind of get you know, revisited throughout the next, you know, couple of decades, because, you know, with, with sport, it's always easy to go back and kind of reminisce with, with the nuances that exist now. And the, like, you know, just the sheer massive amount of stuff that's out there. Almost nobody's going to remember most of these things. So. Yeah. It's kind of like, you know, um, you know, it's kind of like, if you, they say, like, if you go, if you, you present it with too many options, you're like, I'm a, you know, you usually don't like get anything, you know, you know what I mean? Like if you go to a supermarket and there's 50 different kinds of ketchup, for example, you're most likely going to, or the average person will probably just won't get any and just walk away. Where if you yeah. have like, you know, maybe three choices, then you get something and that, it's probably a poor example, but anyway, you, you know what I mean? But yeah. um, I think it'd be interesting too, uh, you know, how far do you think, uh, Air Jordans can go. You, you know that's a that's a, a a crazy kind of debate in itself. I think I 
I think a lot of the sneaker like enthusiast community thought it should have ended at 23. It would have good. Yeah. It would have been a good, you know, ending point. Um, because it creates, it creates its own problem when it's, when it's Michael Jordan's shoe, right? Because, you know, like Jordan brand now has, uh, you know, Luca and Zion and like those guys deserve to potentially have their own shoe. Right. And right. if, if Jordan's name is still attached to it, or there's, you know, like Zion, for instance, arguably the best player in the league, you know, in the next five, 10 years, right? If, if everything goes as planned, I think, or as expe- expected for him. But now, because he's a part of Jordan brand, he'll have a, a shoe that has to be second to the Air Jordan signature model, which yeah, just doesn't weird. make sense. And, you know, I, I mean, we've moved, we've moved a long way from like the performance side selling Jordans because we've gone so far into retros. But I think at some point, like you've got to step back and look at that as Nike and Jordan or any of the brands that have signature athletes and think how much of the, you know, how much of this do we have to pay attention to, you know, for the second and third times around, right? Because look, LeBron's still playing and, and we're now getting LeBron retros on a regular basis, you know? And yeah. I mean, I remember, you know, you probably do as well. Like when Michael, you know, decided to play baseball, I was kind of ecstatic because I just was like, wow, this is great. He's the best at basketball. If he can do this at baseball, you know, this is going to be amazing. But that also was the start of retros, right? Like 94 was the first time that they were like, oh, well, Michael's no longer playing. Let's crank out these like, you know, nostalgia products and sell those. It was exciting as a kid. I didn't get them back then because I just didn't have the money. You know, I hadn't, I had just started working at, you know, 13, 14 years old. And like, those were still unattainable for me. But the excitement was there because it was me being able to kind of revisit those days of not being able to afford them, afford them. And yet we just won't have any of those moments now because everything is compounded, right? Like uh, a, a good example of this is like, um, I'm sure you saw the, you know, the NBA guys that were playing in the Kobe Grinch shoe f- yeah. for the last couple of months. Right. And that's such an odd shoe. I mean, they all grew up watching Kobe. They saw him play on Christmas day. Of course they want to play in that shoe, but now what happens? Like, I, you know, it's nothing against like a guy like uh, DeMar DeRozan, but like, I, I'm not going to have a memory of DeMar DeRozan playing in a Kobe shoe to get me to buy that shoe 10 years from now. Right. So that part of it is really fascinating. I think the Jordan, I think the Jordan model as a pinnacle shoe could go on, you know, forever if, if they wanted it to. But I think that it's not fair to the, to the, to the best athletes in the league right now to step into those shoes, both physically and metaphorically, right? Because you right. can't possibly live up to being Jordan. You shouldn't try to be Jordan. You should try to be, you know, your own version of Jordan, whatever that is for you as an athlete. But like, then having that as the constant thing, I think, you know, and I don't know, maybe, maybe you could talk to this a little bit. Like with D Wade, for instance, signed with Jordan brand for a few years and then, you know, found that he could get equity and leaning and a lot more opportunity. So, you know, kind of did the unthinkable and gave up the, the, you know, being a Chicago guy looking up to Jordan getting to wear Jordans and be signed by Jordan brand and all that. And then, you know, kind of moves into this new space with Lee Ning and 
has been really successful at it. You know, like has, I mean, actually more signature shoes with leaning that I can actually count <laughs> in my head right now. But like, that's an interesting kind of. It's kind of, you know, yeah, it's a weird, it's a weird thing. Definitely. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know. It's just, I, th I think at a certain point too, um, I mean, Jordan's not going to be forgotten, but at a certain point, like, you know, kids aren't going to kind of connect with, with Jordan. Yeah. Um, so, and they're the ones, I mean, primarily probably driving interest, I would think, although who knows, you know, I mean, obviously people in their thirties who watch Jordan or whatever too drive the yeah. market, but, um, yeah, I don't. I don't know. I. I mean, I really hadn't thought about it until now, and I was like, you know what? I want to. I want to ask Nick about this one. <laughs> yeah, it'll. It'll be interesting. I mean, I, I think that you know, Jordan was obviously an anomaly, and like you know, even like going back to like all the athletes that you have in the book, right? Like, it's not that they weren't a big deal and incredible athletes, but like in terms of like taking it from being sports or a sport and then turning it into like a pop culture revolution. We just won't see that ever again. And, and, you know, it's kind of just really incredible to think about that, I guess. But, yeah. um, one thing so, I'd like, so I was just going to say real quick, I don't know if you watch much golf, but, uh, it's like all the golf pros now are like wearing like Jordan, like Jordan 11s, like they yep. have Jordan 11 spikes. Like, uh, it's like Pat Perez, and Keegan Bradley and uh, yep. Harold Varmer, they're all like huge into uh, like wearing Jordans, which is it's kind of a cool look for the golf course. So, yeah, definitely. I think that's going to be a really interesting thing to kind of keep an eye on, right? Like golf is a, so it's not out yet, but one of the last conversations I had with, was with a friend of mine, Andrew, who is like a massive tennis fan, massive tennis shoe collector, right? He's uh mm -hmm big Agassi fan. And like, obviously Agassi was like nothing like tennis had ever seen. Right. Like that was the appeal was he was like this rock star rebel anomaly in this world of Again, rebel. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. But he was like totally, you know, surrounded by, you know, I think like what you would traditionally think of as suits, you know, and like, you know, white, all white, you know, polos and all that stuff. And golf is, is like, is right there on the cusp of that, right? Like, yeah, they're both country club sports. Uh... Yeah. So I think like we're getting to the point with golf where there's a lot more energy with the youthful guys. And there's a lot more like finding ways to, to like have that, you know, Jordan's on the feed or whatever that is that allows you to be a little bit, have a little bit more personality showing. But I also think we're, we're, you know, golf is probably ready for one of those people that like, you know, gets kicked off the course instead of, you know, finishes right and exactly. yeah they're ready for the next john daly it's been a while so yeah exactly yeah so him. yep but um so i i wanted to circle back to like and and you know as we wrap up here one of the things i try to do with this podcast is at least give people insight on like what they're you know if they're listening to this and, and saying hey i want to write a book um or a book about sneakers even you know what can they do to kind of to kind of learn from learn from the, some of the challenges so what would be a piece of advice you would give to a young writer who wants to to take on this kind of challenge of writing a book about sneakers or signature sneakers or just sports in general? Um, I think, you know, 
if I had to do it again, I probably would have sat down and kind of just picked the brain of someone who's written a book before. I kind of just jumped on there, just, you know, just started like going rogue and doing my own thing. Um, I think it, it would have helped a lot to sit down with, and it doesn't have to be about sneakers or sports, but just someone that's written a book in, in general. And I, uh, yeah, for anyone looking to write a book or, you know, kids out there, I think that's, that's probably the best way to go about it. Um, just to have some insight, you know, on, on what, uh, you might face. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think, I think that's probably it. Cool, man. Well, um, I'll, I'll throw this up here again. Signature shoes, the athletes who wore them and delightful pop culture nuggets. Uh, um, main, guess... uh, the main place you can get it is yeah. Eckhart's. Eckhart'spress.com. That's E-C-K-H-A-R-T-Z press.com. Um, mainly only available there just largely because of the pandemic right now. So, but who knows what the future will hold. Cool, cool. And and I guess uh, too, like where, where can people connect with you if they want to follow you on social media and such? Um, you can find me on Instagram at the old, old, old chap collectibles, O-L-E. Um, or... Twitter, I think my username is Trembath underscore Ryan. So those are the main places you can connect with me if, uh, if you ever want to chat. Cool. Well, I'll make sure there's links to everything in the description, wherever you're watching this, listening to this. Um, thanks for spending an hour with me, Ryan, and, and chatting. This has been a blast for me. Uh, yeah, thanks, I, I really did. It. Yeah, of course. I really did enjoy it. Uh, it was it was definitely a, a good vacation for me from, from the normal stuff that I'm reading, too. So thanks. Um, Definitely, definitely highly suggested. I, I, I would, uh, I would think that this would be a, a an enjoyable read for anybody that's into sneakers or sports. So, um, thank you. Yeah, thanks again for for coming on. Thank you everybody for tuning in for watching. Uh, we'll catch you on the next one. Peace.